0: We are continuing on a series called Awaken, and I thought, man, that Promise Keepers trip couldn't have come at a better time, because I really felt like a lot of what this calling out really was all about was waking up into the way that you've kind of gotten into the pattern of life, and understand that a lot of what we do is passed on to us, and and we're kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we're all in this zombie-like state, and we continue to walk in this same pattern that is passed down to us. We continue to walk in the same pattern that we see on television must be the pattern that we go into. We continue to be in the same mode as all those around us are pressuring us and telling us that we need to be in. And, and one of the things that Christ came to do and one of the reasons he was murdered was because what he really stood out for was to awaken the spirit of the people, and to understand what God has truly asked you to do. One of the most difficult parts of that is understanding the difference between tradition and what scripture really tells us. And there is a big difference. There's a lot of what we do in the church that really isn't scriptural based. It's just tradition. It's just always been that way. And so we continue to do it that way. And one of the things that Jesus came to do was to say, what you're doing is wrong. Change your pattern. And because of this, they tried to kill him. Baptism is one of those things. There's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to baptism. Now, I have to tell you that I was baptized as a young child. I was baptized, we lived in Jonesboro, Louisiana. A town of how many people, Holly? It felt like our family. (laughs) We had to drive. I remember this because it was so exciting. We drove 25 minutes to go to McDonald's because it was amazing. We got fries and cheeseburgers. And that didn't happen very often, so that was a pretty cool deal. But in Jonesboro, I decided that it was time to be baptized. And my dad, I still remember my dad did a baptism sermon, and I remember sitting there and I didn't hear anything except for that you get dunked in water, and that's a pretty cool thing to do in church. So I was like, I want to do that. So I remember spending the entire week, and I remember going to my dad right after church. I said, Dad, next week I want to be baptized. And he said, you do? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you realize that means I get to hold your head under (laughs) water. Now, if you don't know my dad, my dad's a lot like Gus. Well, there's sometimes he says things to you, and you're like, was he teasing? Or was he serious? That's how my dad is. And so when my dad said this to me, I remember, I'm telling you this is like yesterday, I remember turning around and giggling and then thinking to myself, was he serious? And I spent the entire week tormented because, you know, you're too scared to go to your dad and be like, dad, are you really going to drown me? So I spent the entire week, up until the moment I was going to be baptized, I remember seeing my dad's face when he, (laughs) it might have been joy just because he got the, I don't know. But I remember seeing my dad's face when he baptized me and all that anxiety went away and and just how cool of a moment that was. Now, it didn't really mean anything to me because I was so young. I didn't really understand there, there's still a lot of misconceptions. and Some of those misconceptions are uh, like this one. The first one, you must be baptized as a child. And if you're not baptized as a child, you could go to hell. And I don't know about you, but I don't serve a God that sends children to hell. This is a huge misconception, but it's, it's a big misconception in the church because it's one of the ways that traditionally we hold fear over the people so that they are submissive to the church. Does that make sense? Which is complete opposite of what God has called us to do, to be submissive to him. We as a church like to make you submissive to us so that your money keeps come pouring in. Does that make sense? But you do not have to be baptized as a child. Nowhere in Scripture did Jesus ever tell anybody that if you're not baptized as a child, you're going to go to hell. Nowhere in Scripture did God say that if you don't do this by the age of two, you're going to go to hell. The second thing is a huge misconception is that baptism is necessary in order for you to be a member of a church. Baptism is necessary. I'm not, I'm not telling you that there aren't churches that tell you that. What I am telling you is that's not something you'll hear here. We do not believe that baptism is necessary for you to be a member of the church. The biggest reason for that is because we don't believe in membership in the church. That if you are saved, you are a part of my family. And if you're a part of my family, you're a part of my community, and as a part of my community, you're a part of my church. It's that simple. There doesn't need to be forms and classes and everything else. The third misconception, baptism is not a part of the salvation experience. This is a big one. This is a big one in the Church of God. We teach this a lot, that baptism has nothing to do with you being saved. Right? Have you heard that before? That's not true. Baptism is a continued part of the salvation experience. God has called us all to be baptized. Do as my son has done, was the exact command of God. And so baptism is a continuation of the salvation experience. And so we all must connect those two and understand that. That, am I saying that if you don't get baptized, you're not saved? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, it's a continuation of the process. We must all continue to move forward because I'm going to tell you what baptism is. Baptism is day one of discipleship. Baptism is day one of discipleship, and it's not good enough, and I know I've preached this a hundred times, it's not good enough for you to get saved. Now, we in the church sometimes create that as the end all, You know, we know that the angels are celebrating, and that's a huge step, but that's not the end. The next step is discipleship, it's growing in your faith, it's understanding that you've been called to do more than to just celebrate yourself. You've been called to be on a journey. Baptism is the beginning of that journey, and therefore a continuation of the salvation process. Number four I'm too old to be baptized. Right? I've been a Christian for 20 years. I don't need to be baptized. I wish I had a buzzer. The truth is this, and I've just said it. We've all been called to be baptized. All of us. And finally, baptism can only happen once. Baptism can only be happened once. One of the reasons that I am so excited about our next baptism service Is because I'm going to be baptized. I have not been baptized since I was a little boy in Jonesboro, Louisiana. I think I was like 10 years old. And I've never been baptized because I became a pastor. And therefore, I am the guy who baptizes. And so every year I've said to myself, I need to do this. I need to do this. But every year I've been afraid to be that guy who was the leader and needed to be baptized. Does that make sense to you? So I've never, so th- this year, next month, I'm going to ask my brother-in-law, he doesn't even know this yet, and he may tell me no, but I'm going to ask my brother-in-law, right? that's right, yeah. Great, now i got a month to be scared. I thought we wrap <laughs> the Hey, the altars will be open. But I'm going to ask my brother-in-law to baptize me. That's right, (laughs) next month, because it's important that we all understand what it means, what Scripture tells us about baptism. And so the portion of Scripture I want to share with you today is not the typical portion of Scripture when we're talking about baptism. This is not the Scripture where Jesus is baptized, but it's Romans chapter 6, and we're going to read the whole thing, so I'm going to go kind of quick with you. Romans chapter 6, let's start in the first 14 verses, and they say this. If you don't have your scripture, it's up here. So what do we do? Do we keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? This is is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in, in our new grace sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. I want to read that to you again. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, this is the part that we all love to talk about, right? Christ has died for your sins. The part that we don't talk enough about is this. If we get included, and I've lost, there it is, in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We are quick to guilt somebody and slow to understand that we're now in a life of Resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings, this is my favorite part, God down to us. In death, he brought sin down. But in life, he brings God down. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. But throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. What is baptism? Baptism is life. Baptism is life. It's a symbolic moment when you understand that the old you that you have asked God to forgive you of, that Christ has paid the penalty for, that old you has been conquered and is defeated. Now, the problem that we run into is most of the time in our Christian lives, we don't understand that. And so we think that sin is something that is continuously in my backpack. And every time I reach for something spiritual, I pull out something sinful. And so every time that I go to that backpack and every time that I sin, it's okay because I can just stuff that back in the backpack and God will zip it closed on me again. And every now and then... I still got to reach for that backpack. That's just how my life is. Right? That's just how I am. I am an imperfect being, and therefore I am a sinful person. And I will live in sin the rest of my life, but thank God for his mercy. The problem with that statement is this. You don't understand resurrection. You haven't grasped life. In Jesus Christ. You haven't understood scripture when it tells you there is nothing that can defeat you. There is no weapon that the devil has that can take you down. Because when you've experienced real life, when you've really experienced the resurrection power of Jesus, what you understand is this. There may be moments, but I live in a new city now. There may be times when I struggle. There may be temptations that just feel like they never leave me. There may be all these moments, but I don't live in that house anymore. Does that make sense? My sin has died with Christ. My old life has died with Christ. And what baptism starts is what we just talked about. Baptism starts discipleship. And discipleship is the beginning of a new walk. Being dead to my old, sinful, selfish self. And walking in the new life. The moment when Jesus said, it's not about what you've done wrong. It's about God meeting up with you. What I love about that scripture is this. It takes the power out of your hands because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's all about God. And what we've done is we've turned Christianity into all about us. It's all about us. It's about fixing my problems. It's about getting my life right. It's about making sure that I don't, you know, do all these lists of things that God has commanded me not to do. It's, It's about, you know, all this stuff you know, that's over here on the side that continuously weighs me down, this Christianity that becomes more of a burden than anything else. But it's about life. It's about God coming down to be with you. And when we grasp that, when we really understand the true meaning behind baptism, we begin to understand why it's so important that we all do it. Why it is a continuation of the salvation experience. Number two, verses 15 through 18. So, now that we understand that, since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean that we can live any old way that we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it is your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. Life, if baptism equals life, life equals true freedom. A lie from the pit of hell is that true freedom means you can do anything you want. True freedom means I can experience life any way I want to experience it. The truth is, in those moments are when you're handcuffed the most. In those moments, when you do go out and you say, I'm going to experience life every way that it is, I'm going to go do all that. You all know what I'm talking about because you've all been there. In those, If you haven't been there, you'll get there. <laughs> but those moments are when you feel handcuffed the most. It's in the moment that I experience the true life of Jesus Christ that I really experience what true freedom is. It's what... Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, understand this. What the world has taught you is freedom is really captivity. And what God has been trying to teach you all along is what Jesus is bringing to you in this new life is real freedom. It's an understanding that God has buried my sinful self, and now I can live in the strength and the knowledge of understanding Where God directs me, no one can defeat me. That's life. That's real freedom. Understand that I have a strength and a power behind me in order to do what God has called me to do, to move me forward in my faith. That's real freedom. Fear can no longer conquer you. Pain can no longer conquer you. Your economic status, your job, the authority you carry in life, all those things can no longer conquer you. The things that in my past life I allowed to handcuff me because for some reason in my mind I thought that's what life is all about. Life is all about a bigger paycheck. And every time I get a bigger paycheck, guess what happens? I want a bigger paycheck. It's never enough. Because it's not what life is about. And you're handcuffed to this slavery of thinking, this mindset that tells you it's about money, it's about authority, it's about power, it's about all these things. And when you get there, you realize, I'm still not happy. It's the same reason we learned in in Promise Keepers this week of all those millionaires who have committed suicide and and all those things. Because that, that stuff doesn't bring you life. It doesn't bring you the freedom that you think you want. You know, I saw an interview with uh, David Copperfield, who owns, I don't know if you know this or not, but he owns Islands. The dude is filthy, wealthy. And so he was sitting in this chair, and it was, I believe, the bishop. Was it the bishop, Oprah? It was not pay attention this weekend. Was it the bishop? Anyways, he's doing this interview, and in the interview, she says to him, you've got to be so happy. And he, I still remember this. He looked at his feet. And he looked up to her, and with this blank face, he goes, yeah. And you thought, dude, you are miserable. Because the point is this. Those things that the world tells you is so successful and are those things that you need in order to really experience real freedom, those are the things that handcuff you. And we all know that. And like sheep, we still follow in that direction. Because while for a split second it makes you feel really strong and neat to tell somebody else to shut up and go to their office or to tell somebody else I just got a raise and a bonus, we have those those moments of this really neat feeling, they all go away. But in the freedom of Jesus Christ, it never fails. It never ceases. And those things that you have once thought were everything become nothing to you. And those moments when when the check is a little short and the, the bills start to stack up, you can stand in the freedom of Christ and know that he will provide. That there will be a way out. That's freedom. A freedom that the world can't give you. A freedom that only God can provide for you. Baptism equals life. And life... In Jesus Christ equals true freedom. And finally, in verses 19 through 23, he says, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom, your lives are healed and expansive in holiness? Verse 20. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What do you get out of it? Nothing you're you're proud of now. Where did it get you? a dead end but now that you've found that you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you what a surprise a whole healed put together life right now with more and more of life on the way work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is dead death but God's gift is real life eternal life delivered by Jesus our master true freedom is bold and public true freedom is bold and public true freedom does not hide when you get to work it becomes who you are true freedom does not stay at church when you get in the car after Sunday service it is who you are True freedom walks with you on your daily journey. True freedom is a part of your soul. It's a part of your entity. It's an understanding as you carry on through your daily walk. It is bold and not afraid to speak out. It's bold and not afraid to stand up for truth. It's bold and not afraid to be the voice that goes against the grain. And it's public. You can't hide freedom in Jesus Christ. Because when you are in that life, people just see it on you. You don't even have to say anything and all of a sudden you're that guy that everybody wants to talk to. All of a sudden you're that girl that all the women want to get knowledge from and advice from. All of a sudden you're the one that gets attacked whenever you speak out. Because freedom is public, and there's going to be moments where you're attacked for that. There's going to be moments when the world's going to tell you to shut up, sit down, and scoot your seat under the table. We've got this. Baptism. The truth of baptism is this. God has called you to be a disciple, not just forgiven and that's not something you're gonna hear everywhere but I'm gonna tell you it again God has called you to be a disciple not just forgiven forgiveness is the beginning of a life change it's packing up my bags baptism is the first day of loading the U-Haul and moving. So I'm going to ask you two things as we close. Josh, if you want, can you come on and play a little bit? I'm going to ask you two things as we close. The first is this. We're going to have a a quiet moment of prayer, and, and I'm just going to lead what we call at One Love Church Um, The beggar's prayer. And that is this. That Father, I am not where I need to be. And there is a lot in my life that I have not yet packed up and put away. Or I have not yet buried. I haven't left that address yet. And I'm still living here part time. Take that away from me. So we're going to have that prayer together. We're going to have that beggar's prayer together. But then... I'm gonna ask you something else if you're sitting here today and you're like me and maybe you're in one of those five misconceptions maybe as a child you were baptized and so it never really was an experience for you the same way that it was for me or or maybe you were baptized when you were older and and God has really done a great work in your life since then and so that really didn't mean anything but you think to yourself well I've been baptized once and so that's all I need to do I don't I don't know your life experience but I will tell you this If you are on a path right now and you think to yourself, I I really need to be baptized again. I really need to begin this journey of discipleship. I really need to understand that this Christian walk is more than just getting saved, but it's a journey of where God is directing me to go, and I want to begin that walk, then what I want to challenge you to do is this, get baptized with me. Get baptized with me. And let's begin this journey together. We're going to have a baptism service next month. We're in this little pond that I haven't even seen yet, but I hear it's nice. So if I go down and come up with leeches, you will too. Really, that's not going to happen. But what I want to encourage you to do is this. Get baptized with me. So will you stand with me? I want to I lead you all in a, in a prayer, and, and then um, if you're here today and, and you know that it's time for you to make a change in your life, you know that there is sin that is just congesting you down, and, and you, maybe you've prayed about it a hundred times, but it just keeps showing its face, and you just haven't really buried that sin away. It's still a part of your life, and you haven't given that up completely then I want you to pray this prayer with me and I don't want you to stop there. The next step for you is I want you to get one of those little white cards on your way out. You know you have to fill it out today, but I want you to fill it out. And on the back of that card, it says that I prayed the beggar's prayer. I think on that card, it says uh, the sinner's prayer. And I want you to check that box and bring that back and turn that in. We're not gonna haunt you down. We're not gonna stalk you, but I do wanna talk to you because I want you to do the next step, which to me is this. In September, we start our community uh, groups again. And I want to get you involved in one of those. It's important that you're supported. you all bow your heads with me? Father God, I just pray at this moment that God, all that sin in my life that has weighed me down. Father, that sin in my life that I have not given completely to you, that I have not buried with you, that, Father, you would take that away from me. God, I pray that you take that sin out of my life, that, Father, you would forgive me. Father, that you would forgive me for the idiot that I am, for the continued falling that I do, and that, God, at this moment, I promise you, I commit to you that I will leave that behind me and walk in your promise. Father, I love you. God, I stand before you empty and I pray that you break me and fill me and renew me, strengthen me and love me. Be my father. Comfort me and hold me and carry me. I worship you. I thank you. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.